This is WPCast, the tactical podcast where we help you accelerate your business with WordPress. I'm Doug from PodWP, where we specialize in designing and hosting podcast websites. And I'm David from FatCat Apps, where we build WordPress plugins such as easy pricing tables and easy opt-ins that drive conversions. This is episode 31, and this week... I've got Jean Galea as a guest. David's off this week on vacation, but he'll be back next week. So welcome, Jean. Thank you for having me on. So I met Jean about two years ago out here in Chiang Mai, and we're both digital nomads. And I thought it was great that I just ran into him again out here. So Jean, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So as some of you might know, I run the popular WordPress blog WP Mayor, which has been running for around four four years now. And I've also launched a premium plugin last year named WP RSS Aggregator. So those are my two main businesses right now and take up most of my time. So with WP Mayor, it's funny because I think after I met you, I started seeing your blog posts come up in searches all the time. And I don't know if that was coincidence or you're just doing some great SEO or what that is, but uh, you've got some good content on there. So yeah, WP Mayor was uh, started actually because I needed some kind of reference point for myself, for all the things I've been, I was learning and it gradually evolved into something bigger where I was sharing with the community. And I think that's the spirit of the WordPress community, which is all about sharing and something that. I really appreciate. So about how many uh, posts do you think you've got on WP Mayor? I think there's currently about a thousand posts. Cool. That's quite a lot of content. (laughs) Yeah. And I I would also mention that nowadays it's not just me who's creating all the content, but we've also got uh, my cousin on board and also some other freelance writers who contribute to the blog. So do you want to tell us a little bit about WP RSS Aggregator and what it does? Sure. So again, the aggregator started as a tool that I needed myself for the WP Mayor blog. I wanted to import news from other blogs. And eventually, after putting it on the .org repository, I started getting many requests. So I developed a few premium add-ons. Basically, what it does is just import any kind of RSS feeds from websites and then store them as posts. And uh, it's really a flexible tool for importing RSS and storing it however you like. So with um, WP RSS Aggregator, you now have uh, a team that's doing the development on this. Yeah, we're about six people in all between WP Mayor and the aggregator. And yeah, it's not about me anymore. It's more about having a team and managing this remote team. So what's it like making that transition from doing everything yourself and having full control and then now, you know, actually getting to step back, which I think is what a lot of us, you know, dream to accomplish and you're at that stage. Yeah, I must say that it's been quite challenging for the f- past few months I've been trying to make this transition. And uh, also it's been a lot more liberating since I don't have to panic about all the little things that have to be done every day. I can just concentrate on developing new features, making connections. So I think a big part of it is really 
implementing the right tools and then letting the team go its way, you know, just providing all the basics for them. So are there any tools or tips that you have in particular for managing and building your remote team? Yeah, so this is one of the things that excites me. Like, I like to follow what other people are doing, especially automatic, which is, I think, one of the most, one of the best examples for other companies to follow. So we're using Slack as a team communication tool, and we've also used P2 in the past. Then we use uh, Bitbucket as our code repository, and basically that's that's it, you know. So another thing that you had mentioned earlier was that you're about to start a podcast. So this is going to be all under the WP Mayer umbrella. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're planning to do with the podcast, your format, and when you plan to launch? Sure. So it's really an extension of the content that we've been providing on WP Mayer itself. So going into another format, which might be easier for some readers to digest, you know, maybe they're having a workout and just want to listen to some something WordPress related or they're on a on their work trip. So it's just to reach more people, basically. I think the format we'll be having is just answering people's questions and talking about new plugins and themes and basically what the same thing that we do already on the blog. Cool. I, I think, you know, the, the content you've got already is great. So a lot of people, they don't like to, to read and just having that podcast where they can subscribe is really good. Yeah, it's funny that even myself, I love listening to podcasts. Nowadays, I think I listen more to content in an audio format rather than a written format because I'm just listening to podcasts while I'm doing my workouts or walking or doing other stuff, you know, and with reading, you really have to put your whole focus on it and find some time, which is <laughs> quite a scarce thing nowadays. Yeah, I think I'm similar where I've probably gotten to the point where I spend a lot more time consuming content via podcasts than reading. I don't even subscribe to any blogs anymore. There's there's some that I'll go back to because I've bookmarked or, you know, I'll see something on social media and I'll go go and find it. But, you know, the, the total amount of time, you know, maybe I listen to a podcast or two each day and I think unless uh, I go off on a tangent and start surfing the web, I'm usually spending a lot less time just consuming content visually, just going through blog posts and stuff. I guess one of the reasons also that I would like to start the podcast is to, for making a more personal connection. I think it's quite uh, obvious that listening to a person talk is much uh, more intimate than reading his articles. So I want to be reaching people on a deeper level. And yeah, I think we've, we found the same thing with, uh, with our podcast. It's a different level of connection. And in, in some ways, I think it's, it's easier to produce quality podcast content than doing the same thing in, in blog format, or, or at least, you know, having the diversity of, of using different formats because when I would write blog posts, and I haven't done many in, in quite a while, but, you know, it might take a better part of a day 
but spread out over multiple days. Whereas with a podcast, obviously we do some preparation, but the actual recording time is, you know, usually half an hour or less. And we're able to outsource a lot of the production. So I feel that for the same amount of content, delivering a podcast episode is actually less work. And it feels like less work because it's more of a conversation than, you know, actually sitting down and just staring at a screen and trying to write out however many uh, thousand words. So let me take advantage of this opportunity to ask you a bit of questions about podcasting. So we've talked briefly about this the other night, but what advice do you have for people who are starting or thinking of starting a podcast? I know you've spoken a bit about uh, how to promote a podcast, for example. So I think we may have mentioned this once in an earlier episode, but we didn't do quite as good of a job as we could have done on the launch and the promotion. One of the big things when launching a podcast is the opportunity to get in the new and noteworthy section on iTunes. And in order to do that, you have to get you know a certain number of downloads and get a certain number of reviews and five-star reviews and those kinds of things. So when we launched, we had just done one episode and then we launched the podcast. But one of the, the tactics that people seem to do to get into this new and noteworthy category is to launch with like five or more episodes. And so this way you can get a lot more downloads. And also the people who listen to your podcast, they get a lot more content that they can consume right away. And, you know, if you're going to leave a review for a podcast and there's only been one episode, you know, maybe you'll leave a good review, but at least for me, I, I kind of want to see a bit more content before I really make a, a judgment on whether or not, you know, I like it or, or how much I like it. If I want to actually spend the time to write a review. So I think, you know, that's one thing on the promotion side that, that we should have done when starting. I guess um, the flip side of that would be like maybe making the same mistake for five episodes and not realizing. So I think maybe having one podcast out first will give you the opportunity to have some feedback from users and then continuously improve during the first few episodes and gaining traction. Yeah, that's another possibility. But actually, one thing I just thought of, someone else I knew had done this is he recorded the first episode and sent it out privately to a bunch of his friends and asked for feedback and then re-recorded that as you know a better version when he launched. And I'm not sure if he launched with more than one at the beginning or not, but I think that's what I would do is I would, uh, I would record that and you'd probably have to redo it. We actually we redid the first episode of our podcast after we recorded it. And there's been a few episodes where we've scrapped the whole thing and just started over from scratch. So I think, you know, one of the nice things about doing a podcast, it's kind of like, you know, if you were an actor in a movie, you get to do multiple takes and people only see the final version. You can mess it up as many times as you want and then just throw all of those out. So, yeah, I really love this idea of having sort of a peer review before you actually launch the first podcast. I think it's a... It's a good idea that people should follow. And related to this, did you do any sort of promotion before actually launching the podcast? If not, I guess it's some of the one of the most important things 
that people should do. Like I was thinking of actually announcing my new podcast on WP Mayor a few weeks ahead and maybe even asking if people want to ask some questions before we actually start producing the podcasts. I think we had told a few people that we were going to start a podcast. We might have given them the name. We didn't, again, we didn't do a proper launch or, or anything like that. So one thing to know is that when you submit a podcast to iTunes, it has to go through review. And that usually, I guess, takes a couple of days. I don't know if there's any way to speed it up or any way to predict when it'll get in there. But pretty much we we waited until our podcast was actually in iTunes before telling people. And I don't think you actually have to do that. You know, you can you could probably launch it before then. But it would be a bit weird if you want people to subscribe and there's no there's no way to do it within iTunes. Like they would have to manually subscribe to your feed, which most people won't do. You know, it's a bunch of work. You can you can enter it manually in iTunes. And I had to set up the instructions for this for one of my clients, but we don't have the data, but I have the feeling that not many people would go through those steps to subscribe manually. So yeah, as far as uh, the promotion and the launch go, I would say it is good to to kind of build that up or as soon as it's launched, then kind of do a big campaign. Because so I think it'll it'll help, you know, to have all that awareness at once. But then again, on the flip side, some people who may look at your podcast, if they're not already in your audience, if you don't have any reviews, then it looks a bit weird when there's, you know, there's zero five-star reviews and stuff like that. So one thing I would recommend is, you know, to have, you know, a short list of friends and colleagues who you can ask to review your podcast right away. And in some ways, this is kind of gaming the system because you're you're asking all your friends for reviews. I think, you know, it's just the way things are done. The way I feel about it is, you know, it is you are asking them to do a little bit of work. So if they don't care at all, if they're not really going to listen to your podcast and they just won't do it and you don't have to keep spamming your friends. But some people that, you know, would help you out, especially people who I think would find it relevant. So, for example, with WordPress, you know, there's quite a big community and, you know, with our podcast, at least David and I had, you know, we have our own networks with enough people, you know, who are either running WordPress businesses or in businesses that use WordPress to a large extent. So, you know, we didn't have too much trouble getting that initial traction. Yeah, and uh, for people who might not know where to find these WordPress communities, I would suggest, for example, the advanced WordPress group on Facebook, which has several thousand members and is really active every day. So this would be the perfect place to get some feedback before actually launching officially. Yeah, that's another thing that we we didn't really launch in any communities except for one. And I think, you know, if you were to do a new podcast or to relaunch this one, we would have a, a real list of step-by-step things of where to go and like what to post and everything. So everything would be timed all at once. Yeah. So how much time does it take to actually record a podcast? How much time is actually recording and how much is actually preparing the podcast for submission? So we probably spend, I would say about, about an hour on the recording side, kind of pre-episode prep talking about it and then actually doing the recording and then 
Sometimes we have to restart it. That would be the actual recording. And before that, doing the show notes, coming up with an outline and an idea for the episode. Sometimes uh, doing some research, if it's uh, depending on the topic, that could take a couple of hours. And then there's the other stuff that isn't necessarily related to the production, but you know, building the website, setting up the feed, submitting to directories, answering contact form emails, comments, and stuff like that, which is all associated with that. That maybe, you know, that's another hour or more per week. A lot of this, you know, it comes in waves. Like, you know, you may do a bunch of it at once as opposed to the same amount of time each week. But, you know, I do know some other people who spend a lot more time on their podcast and some people who spend less time that they just wing it and hit record, don't edit the podcast at all and just upload it right after. So I think it's, you know, it depends on what your own, uh, you know, quality, your level of quality of, of where you want the podcast to be, where you feel like your time is better spent. One other thing that I was thinking about is whether to have an audio only podcast or also video on it. Like we've seen Matt Medeiros with the Matt Report doing the video part very successfully. And I believe even WP Elevation from Troy Dean. What are your thoughts about that? So I, I think if it's not too much more work, it's worth doing. It's great to have video content because then you can put it on YouTube and you have another channel. Personally, I haven't watched the videos for either of those podcasts or pretty much any other podcast except I think it was uh, the random show with Tim Ferriss. I think that's the only one I've I've watched the videos for because most of them I just I prefer to consume it while walking around you know in my headphones. So I think if it if you're comfortable with doing it in that format, then that works. The other thing is you have to consider your location because if you're gonna you know show yourself on camera you've got to make sure the lighting is good. We're, we're always on the beach, right? Yeah, on the <laughs> beach. Well, I guess technically you probably don't need to wear pants if it's just your face, but you know you may want to be a little presentable <laughs> if you're if you're doing the video. So there's that that stuff to consider. Cool. Yeah. So I think this podcast that you you have going right now is actually one of the most entertaining ones I follow, since I'm also into product development, and I think there's a thirst. For many people in the community, especially from my interactions at WordCamp, I meet a lot of developers who are good at development, but are a bit lost when it comes to promoting their plugins and really taking their business forward. Yeah, I think, you know, the marketing side of selling products, I think, is, is something that's pretty interesting how that doesn't seem to be covered a lot. You know, there's some stuff that's, that's covered, of course, but uh, that's one of the things where we're finding more interesting to talk about. It hits home a bit more, with, you know, I guess more so with, with David selling, selling the plugins. I've learned a lot as well, even, uh, you know, researching these topics because pretty much everything we've talked about on the podcast, you know, comes from experience. But when we actually are going to do an episode, a lot of times we want to make sure we have more information and we do some research. If we're going to make recommendations for systems or products, then, you know, we want to, you know, actually take a look at those and ideally try them out and, you know, do some comparison research as well. So 
going back to you know the the networking aspect of the podcast another thing we were talking about earlier was uh word camps so you've been to a bunch of them and you've spoken as well so so what are your thoughts on word camps and i guess networking in general and the wordpress community so i think word camps are a great opportunity for for actually meeting people in real life we spend too much time i guess chatting to people online and finally getting to meet them at a word camp is a really nice nice thing so i see a lot of difference between the local word camps like word camp spain or word camp seville which i've been to and the word camp europe word camp which is really a different kind of word camp which gathers in one place all the people from uh, really different countries and also a different level of uh, expertise i feel so i think the new move from the wordpress foundation of having a word camp usa next year was a uh, is a move in the right direction and uh, i think it will be more inclusive of many people rather than being a word camp san francisco thing I think meeting people at WordCamp can be very good for your business as well. So I've met met many people who have helped me and given me insights into what they are actually doing. And especially being from maybe an isolated place like Malta, which is the country I come from, is a very good thing to meet people at WordCamps, you know. So on a related note, uh, you were the one who started a... uh a WordPress group recently here in Chiang Mai. And that's how I, I knew you were in town and reconnected with you. So on a similar note, you know, with some of these small communities, geographically speaking, you know, a local community like in Malta or, you know, maybe a, a small town somewhere, you know, that community isn't very big. And uh, since we're both digital nomads traveling around, I think it's also kind of difficult sometimes to connect with peers especially peers in similar enough businesses. So we both work heavily in WordPress, but there's a lot of other people who are traveling around doing very different types of businesses. There's, you know, there's consultants, but then there's people doing e-commerce, drop shipping, making uh, niche AdSense sites, you know, all sorts of different things. So what have your strategies been for, you know, trying to network with peers or do you find it uh, difficult as well, you know, while traveling around? Because that's how I found it. So for me, being part of the WordPress community is not only about work. It's also a really good place to be for meeting genuinely nice people. And that's what I found found out by attending WordCamps and even meetups. Like here in Chiang Mai, when, when I arrived, I didn't know many people. So I guess I thought, why not make a, a WordPress meetup and meet some like-minded folks. So it was actually a very good meetup. We had it twice and I really made some good friends from the meetup quite independently of the fact that they use WordPress. Now with regards to strategies uh, on networking, what I like to do before visiting a WordCamp is really go through the Twitter lists that uh, WordCamps have before on their website. See who, who the people are and make a note of who the people, which people you, you would like to meet. So during WordCamp Europe, I actually had a 
sort of mini competition with my wife <laughs> on who would meet uh, the most people out of our list. So that was a quite a nice challenge and led to meeting a really lot of people over the course of three days. Yeah, that's um, that's an interesting thing to think about. It's um, something I've, I've thought about, I guess, maybe over the past year or two, just being strategic about conferences. And I, I still seem to be bad at it. You know, I go in with a little bit of a plan and then I don't really stick to it. So I think, you know, there is a lot of value in, you know, meeting random people. But at the same time, if you know who's going to be there, there's certain people who have businesses that you know would be more interested or more uh, related to yours, possibly where you can uh, do business with them. And But if you're not looking them up ahead of time, you know, it would be actually it would be a, a disappointment, I guess, if, if you went to a conference and never even met with them and you find out later, oh, so-and-so, you know, who has a, you know, a, a compatible business model or, you know, or something where you could work together. They were there and you just, you didn't get a chance to meet up in person. So I think it's pretty valuable to actually do your homework beforehand, you know, and, and it is a bit weird because you're kind of stalking people online, you know, I mean, you can choose how far you want to go, but, you know, sometimes like I, you know, I, I find it useful when you know a little bit about what some people do. Sometimes it's a bit weird if you go up to them and you introduce yourself and like, you know, you know a bit about them. I'd say more so with somebody who's less famous, you know, there's, you know, there's some people who have, you know, big audiences and they're used to it that everybody knows who they are. But, you know, I've kind of uh, sought out a couple of people who either have similar business models or, you know, there's, you know, there's something really interesting in what they're doing and they don't really have a public persona. And so when I go up and, you know, I, you know, start talking to them and I like, you know, what you're doing with your business and stuff. And they're like, who are you? How do you know anything about me? So I think that's, that's kind of funny. At the same time, that's happened to me too, where, where some people, uh, you know, have come up to me and they've looked up what I do and they want to talk about things and I have no idea who they are. But on both of those sides, I, I think those are often where the more interesting conversations are. From WP Mayer, for example, I interact with probably thousands of people every year over email and social networks. So actually researching who will be at a conference beforehand will let me know who the people I've interacted with are and maybe do a bit of updating myself and seeing what they're actually doing at the moment. So meeting them won't really result in an embarrassing situation where I barely remember the conversation I've had with them. And another rule that I try to put upon myself is to keep conversations maybe up to five minutes every time I meet someone new. And then if I want to make take the discussion further, meet them in the evening for dinner or take them out to lunch maybe. So that makes ensures that you don't really waste too much time just chatting on with the same person and missing out on the opportunities to meet other people. Yeah, that's some great advice. So I think we're uh, about out of time. So do you want to just remind people uh, where they can find you online? Sure. So the main place to find me is on WPMayor, WPMayor.com or on Twitter, WPMayor. And we can also check out the plugin, WPRSSaggregator.com. And, you know, make sure to keep an eye out on for the podcast, which is coming up pretty soon.
Thanks for listening. You can go to wpcast.fm to download our WordPress toolbox, which contains our 50 favorite tools. We'll see you next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.